Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, hour one. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The Eric Erickson Show across the nation. You are more than welcome to be a part of it at 877-973-7425. Have you all ever had one of those days where you're just, you just can't wake up? This is one of those days for me. It's like I, I'm taking intravenous caffeine and, and still my brain is not firing. But as Rush Limbaugh would say, with half my brain tied behind my back, I will still deliver quality, excellent radio for you. In fact, we must begin with this from Mika Brzezinski on MSNBC. This is See, I Told You So. Republicans for November's midterm elections. In the latest survey from Morning Consult and Politico, 46% of registered voters say if midterms were held today, they would vote for the Democratic candidate. 42% say they would back the Republican on the ballot. There is a 2% gain here for Democrats since June and a 3% gain since April. President Biden's approval rating is also showing signs of life after months of declining. In the latest poll, 42% of voters gave the president a positive grade. That's up two points, though, from June, but still below his 45% approval rating. I've got to say, woohoo, I told you people this was going to happen. I told you. I predicted it not because I had insider knowledge, but because I had historic knowledge. Every August, without fail, in political polling, in an election year, particularly in a midterm election year, the Democrats have a bounce. I was documenting this for some friends this morning on Twitter who were talking about this. And they're like, all these Democrats suddenly really excited about the polling. It's the only excitement they've got out there. This is historic. In 2018, at this very moment, there began to be a Democratic balance of the polling, and it sustained itself. By the way, there was one in 2020 as well for the generic ballot. It did not sustain itself for the Democrats very well. There was as well a bounce for the Democrats in 2014 at this time. In 2010, there was even a measurable Democratic bounce. Now, the GOP was so far ahead of them, people didn't notice, but it happened. Go back to 2002, about. There's always a bounce. There's an August to September bounce that generally begins to pick up steam at the end of July. I told you, I've been telling you, and I warned you, I I told you, the conversation in the media would change. They're going to talk about vibe shifts and all of that sort of nonsense. They're they're going to be talking about all the excitement. In fact, the New York Times has a story out today. Dark Brandon rises and buoys Biden's beleaguered faithful. Inside the White House, the vibe is shifting, even if the polls haven't budged much. Told you they were going to do this. 
I told you the dark Brandon theme, the Democrats after after telling us all that Brandon was hateful, awful, nasty, bigoted, homophobic, racist rhetoric. They're embracing dark Brandon. That's not racist at all. Dark Brandon. They're trying to co-op. The Democrats are not good at this memeing thing, are they? I told you this was going to happen. It is a documented, verified, known phenomenon. Documented, verified, and known phenomenon. Now, why? Why does it happen? Some of you who have heard me say this probably five times now could probably repeat it with me. Republicans are on vacation or school has just started or is in the process of starting. Republicans are more likely to have children than Democrats or left-leaning Republicans who are going to vote Democrat. And they're not talking to pollsters, these Republicans. They're sitting at the beach having a few beers right now. They started about 9 o'clock this morning, actually. They're waking up this morning, and they're sending their children off to school. Or they're getting ready for their back-to-school meeting at school today. Or they're sitting in front of their computer right now thinking, oh, my gosh, Labor Day is coming up in a couple of weeks. i got to figure out what are we doing for Labor Day. Are we having people over? Are we going somewhere? Where are we going? Are we going to the beach? Are we going to the mountains? Are we going to have a grill out here? Are we going to have some Omaha steaks in the fridge? What are we, freezer? What are we going to do? Republicans aren't talking to pollsters right now. They never do. You see this historic trend every single election year. It becomes even more pronounced in midterms. And I can find it in the polling this bump for the Democrats all the way back to 2002. That's why I've been telling you for several weeks now this was coming. And don't freak out because I knew it was coming. And I knew what would happen. The media that has ignored their own polling for months because it's been so bad are suddenly like, Biden's going up. He's only at 42, but slipped the polling some Viagra. Not going to be enough to get it up there. It happens. It is wishful thinking by the media. Don't start really taking the polling seriously until after about mid-September, really into October. You've got to remember um, the last several years, the polling has just been wildly off. This is from the Washington Post. From July 22nd, 2021, this is an opinion piece from David Byler, the data analyst. The polls are not all right. According to a new report by the American Association for Public Opinion Research, national polls overstated Joe Biden's margin of victory by 3.9 percentage points in 2020, the largest error in 40 years. State polls missed two by 4.3 points. And for the third time in four elections, pollsters underestimated Republican voters. Why? The AAPOR report doesn't identify the reason, but it names some possible culprits. One likely problem, 
large segments of the electorate do not answer when the pollsters call. This problem, known as non-response, can take many forms. Maybe Donald Trump's biggest fans, or those who distrust the media the most, refuse to take calls from pollsters, giving wishy-washy Republicans who might favor Biden too much weight. At the same time, it might be that Democrats who were more likely to stay home during the COVID pandemic were more willing to pick up phones from pollsters, while Republicans who tended to be more COVID skeptical let the phone ring. Another possibility of error, record turnout. High turnout is, generally speaking, a good thing. It means people are interested in politics and want their voices heard, but it makes polling more challenging. The danger is twofold. In a high turnout year, a poll could easily underestimate the number of new voters, and a poll could get the wrong mix of first-time Democrat and Republican voters. A third problem, the modeling. Pollsters do not report their raw data directly to consumers. They typically apply statistical adjustments ahead of time to improve accuracy. Some adjustments are uncontroversial. Pollsters often struggle to contact enough young and non-white voters, so they give those voters a bit more weight to make sure their sample looks demographically more like the United States. But other adjustments, such as determining who is a likely voter, are more difficult, and incorrect calculations can lead to a pollster missing voters who cast a ballot. Of the top three culprits... Non-response is the most likely suspect. As pollster David Hill wrote in a Washington Post op-ed in November, quote, to complete 1,510 interviews over several weeks, we had to call 136,688 voters. In hard-to-interview Florida, only one in 90-odd voters would speak with our interviewers. That ratio of non-responsive citizens is what Hill called polling's dirty little secret. More distressingly, there is no easy way to solve for these shortcomings. If a group of people refuses to pick up the phone, there's little pollsters can do about that. No one can control whether an election has high or low turnout. And many pollsters are already making a good faith effort to use sound statistical methods. Another complication among the calculations, we live in an era of close elections. Here's the thing, though, and this is what you've got to keep in mind. For the next several weeks, probably for the next month, you will hear a series of stories about how the Democrats have rebounded. It's abortion. It's abortion. All of their preconceived notions. Joe Biden got stuff done in Congress. It's the Inflation Reduction Act. The Democrats look like they're functioning. The Democrats look functional. The Democrats are governing. The Republicans look like they're roadblocks. The Republicans look like they're obstructionists. Donald Trump, he's an insurrectionist. Donald Trump, he's back in the news. This is good for the Democrats. It's good. None of those will be the right answer. The right answer will be This is historically documented at this time of year. Democrats bump up in the polling because Republicans are on vacation or getting their kids back to school. It happens every single year. It is most pronounced in midterm elections. And guess what? We are in a midterm election. If in late September, the polling continues to show the Democrats in a dominant position, then 
you got to start thinking, all right, there are going to be some Republican candidates who aren't going to make it across the finish line who otherwise could have. Dr. Oz, not shaping up to be a good candidate. But you will notice one particular must-win race for the Democrats nobody's talking about right now. That'd be the Herschel Walker race in Georgia. Even Democrats think he can pull it off because he's kept it close at a season where Democrats usually are ahead in the polling. Go to Georgia. Just look at Georgia. In 2018, Stacey Abrams was ahead of Brian Kemp in the polling at this time, and he beat her. In 2014, another midterm, Jason Carter was ahead of Nathan Deal right now in the most of the polling, and Deal beat him. Go to the, uh, what, Mark Taylor race against, was he running against Nathan Deal the first time? He was ahead this time, Deal won. Go to Sonny Purdue against Roy Barnes in Georgia back in 2002. Sonny Purdue was never ahead in any poll anyone. Nobody saw that one coming. Now, I, I use Georgia as an example because I'm here. I'm familiar with the politics of the state, and I'm familiar with the polling, but it happens all the time, everywhere. Go to North Carolina. Joe Cunningham, the Democrat, was ahead of Tom Tillis in every poll. In the polling average, Joe Cunningham was ahead in the polling average at the election and lost. Go to Virginia last year. Glenn Youngkin was behind Terry McAuliffe until Halloween in the polling. Only around October 31st did Glenn Youngkin's campaign have a measurable pulse in public polling. Now, the internal polling is different. The internal polling is much more detailed, much more focused, has much more money. And you can see how Democrats in some key races are continuing to scramble and how Republicans, frankly, in some races, like in Pennsylvania, are not spending as much money as they once thought they should. Follow what's happening along on the campaign trail. Don't follow the public polling. I played Mika Brzezinski. You could hear she was giddy. Joe Biden is on the upswing from his critically low polling, lower than Trump. But I warned you all this was going to happen. I warned you all. Don't start really obsessing about where the polling is until after September 15th. And really, October 15th, most everyone will already be early voting. And that'll give you a good sense of where things are starting to shake out for the end. But right now, before Labor Day, it's a Democratic advantage in the polling, even if in reality they don't have one. And by the way, just to cut to the chase, they don't actually have one because it's still the economy that matters. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Let's go to the phones. Greg, you're going to be up first. Welcome. Good morning, Eric. After the Republicans win in November, I'm concerned that the establishment Republicans and the rhinos will return to form and we get nothing. Yep, pretty much. Um, that, that's uh, So here's the thing, though. I, I shouldn't be that dismissive of it uh, in large part because one of the things they will do is they will fight uh, because they have to, given the recomposition of the House. you got to remember that. Uh, and the Republicans will take back the House. No one really disputes it at that point. Just on dis redistricting alone, they'll take back the House. Uh, and so the House Republicans, even if the Senate uh, is run by Chuck Schumer, is going to fight on spending. They only, Republicans only fight on spending when a Democrat's in the White House, but they will. 
and that may force a government shutdown and it will force compromise in the Republican direction because they have no incentive to reopen uh, the government until there's a compromise. So they may do that. What they will also do is the one thing they can do is investigate Biden and they can't be stopped. They can investigate Hunter Biden. They can investigate Joe Biden. They can investigate the FBI and the Mar-a-Lago raid. They can investigate the Department of Justice. They can haul up the cabinet secretaries and grill them, uh, get uh, Pete Buttigieg up there and find out what he was doing on his paternity leave. They can do all of those things, and they should do all of those things. Uh, The chief thing that Congress can do when uh, someone of the opposite parties in the White House is investigate and control the spending. If the Republicans only get back the House, and by the way, there's a 50-50 chance that they could take the Senate. If the Republicans just take the House, though, they control the budget, and they should. My problem is that the House Republicans are going to put Kevin McCarthy in as Speaker of the House, and Kevin McCarthy is exactly the rhino you're worried about. Kevin McCarthy will stick his finger in the wind and see where his political standing is. And the moment it shifts, he will shift, and not a moment before. And if it shifts against conservatives, well, he will shift against conservatives. Remember, Kevin McCarthy stood by Liz Cheney and defended her until Donald Trump criticized him, and the next day he threw her under the bus as quick as he could. Kevin McCarthy is rudderless and principleless. He sticks his finger in the wind to see which way he should go. And you should not want him as speaker. And you should fight against him being speaker because um, conservatives will get eventually thrown under the bus by him if he's speaker of the House of Representatives. Hello, it is Eric Erickson here. Welcome back. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on the program, let's go to Cindy. Welcome to the program, Cindy. How are you? Fine, thank you. Thank you for taking my call. The reason I called was you were talking about the Georgia elections and Herschel Walker. I, for some reason, somebody thinks that somebody else has my phone number. So I got a text message from a very far left organization called Mm ProgressFund.us. And their text said that they had tested one of their commercials on a group of people and that Herschel's points went down by four. And then it said, please donate so he can be ruined. In capital letters. <laughs> yeah. I am not kidding. I'm not kidding. I was going to try to forward it to you, but I didn't know how. Oh, no, no, no. So I, I totally I I, I know these, this is happening. Yep. Oh, they're um, awful. They are. And they're doing it all over the state. Uh, yeah. And if they, if your number is, and oftentimes what happens. So let me explain this to people. And Cindy, I'm glad you called on this because this actually makes a great point. Here's what actually happens. There are apps. John Ossoff has bragged about this in Georgia, the senator from Georgia, that he did this. Uh, It's an app you put on your phone. And when you open the app on your iPhone or your inferior green bubble device, it says, will you give us access to your contacts? And you say yes. And it flows then your contacts to the progressive group. And see, runs those people through a database to see who are the swingy voters. Who do we need to worry about? And then it sends those back to you and says, 
can we text these people from your phone number? Yes. And then you get a text message that looks like it's come from your friend with all this stuff. Or, or, if you don't want to do it but you're okay with them doing it, they'll text. Because now they've targeted the swing voters. And they can say things like, hey, talk to your friend Cindy. And it looks like they must know you somehow. Of course, now you're furious because Cindy's clearly given the phone number out. But they've been doing this, uh, this, this technology has been out there for a while now. They continue to refine it. Typically what they like to do is they like for younger people to do this text messaging. Uh, and so they they ask you if you will handle it. They'll send you the text messages. They auto-generate the text messages. So it looks like it came from you and from your phone. And let's say uh, you now have the phone number of someone who is in that address book. Well, you're getting them and they think you're someone else. And it's at a real annoyance. I got one actually yesterday or a day before yesterday from Nancy Mace's campaign over in South Carolina, uh, thinking that I was someone else uh, from Hilton Head and um, or somewhere over there. I, I, forget, I think it was Hilton Head. Uh, it said um, that going to be in the area, want to meet you, blah, 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 blah. And it included a video story or some such. I was like, ah, this is junk. But thought it was, I thought it was somebody else. Thought it was, I don't know why with my area code, they should have known it was Georgia, but they didn't care. It's very frustrating. And the level of the sort of spam has continued to go up. The email spam, the text message spam, it's all so super annoying. Uh, back to the phones. Andy, you're going to be up next. Welcome. Hey, Eric. Um, I'm going to follow up on something from that story right there scares the, the heck out of me. But the there's a story you had yesterday about the Russians funding, uh, among other things, the Pan-African group. Um, how does how do first question is how do payments kind of go under the radar for so long? I mean, that seems like human nature would be that. People would brag about getting paid for that. And that would spread like wildfire. Uh, and yet it seems to have been undercover for so long. And the other thing is, is it too much of a stretch to think that payments would be made uh, not just to organize, organizing groups, but to sympathetic journalists down the road? And I'll just... Uh, Oh, look, uh, Andy, um, uh, the Soviets had a history of paying journalists and keeping journalists on the, the payroll. Look at Walter Durante from the New York Times, uh, who covered up the Ukrainian famine and, and pogroms that the Stalin was doing in, in Ukraine, completely covered it up. Actually, there's a story uh, from NBC News back in 2018 documenting the history of uh, Russian uh, operations to seed stories into the media. Uh, they have offered to pay reporters in the past. They have um, paid for ad placement in newspapers around the world to make certain articles look like they're legitimate. Yeah, this is actually a real thing that the Russians do. Uh, they they push out, bribe, cajole, and otherwise uh, plant stories. 
In recent months and years, I'm reading now from a, a website called RussianLife.com. In recent months and years, Russian journalists, media outlets, bloggers, and YouTube stars have been coping with a crackdown on media freedom. Some have even been dubbed foreign agents to signify they've received funding from Western organizations. It's the latest wrinkle in the story, but then you go on to, to read down the story and it talks about how, in fact... The Russians have been paying reporters around the world for favorable coverage under the table. Now, how did these, uh, for those of you who don't know the story and he's talking about, I, this was my morning piece. Uh, if you didn't see it, you should text the word data to 33777. Uh, go to my morning piece. It's what I talked about yesterday. There's a federal indictment that has now been unsealed, and it shows that the Russians have been paying American secessionist groups to cause trouble and protest in this country, exactly like the media's been telling us. The media's been telling us for years now, since Trump, that the Russians were paying a bunch of these secessionist groups to stir up trouble, divide the nation, agitate for breakaway states, except the problem is that the groups unveiled by this unsealed indictment turn out to be left-wing black activist groups, not conservative groups. Now, I want to be very clear here. I'm sure there are right-of-center groups that have gotten money from the Russians. I'm sure of it. And I am sure that there are a lot of environmentalist groups that have gotten money from the Russians. If you go back to the 80s, the Soviets funded many of the Western environmental and peace movement groups. In fact, the environmentalist movement is oftentimes referred to as the watermelon movement. They're green on the outside and red on the inside. Why? Because they were Soviet agents in the 1980s advocating against Western capitalism and industrialization to try to undermine the West, to agitate for environmental reforms that would uh, hamper development, among other things. And uh, they were funded by the Russia, by the Soviets. And after the Soviet Union fell, Russia didn't have the money to pay them. And so they became environmentalist movements and they started getting government grants from the United States to what? Advocate about climate change. I'm not making that up, even though some of you think I am. I am undoubt. I, I have no doubt. No doubt at all. That. The Russians are paying some reporters in this country. Maybe they will get found out. Maybe they won't. But I I mean, look, they're paying political groups in this country. I just find it remarkable. And, and, and not, not to spend more time on that. I already got somebody mad at me that says I've spent way too much time explaining the polling and, and all that, um, that I sound like a broken record. And I don't want to sound like a broken record on this. I do encourage you to text DATA to 33777 and just go read what I wrote this morning. It's also going to be my nationally syndicated column this week. But it's really important that you understand the media has downplayed and largely ignored the story that they've been touting for five years. For five years, the media has said the Russians were, were funding secessionist groups in the United States. And it turns out the media was exactly right. And you would think the media would want to stand up, pound their chest, rip open the shirt and say, see, we were right. Except it turns out. The groups that they're funding are black nationalist groups who want to call for the violent overthrow of the United States and the murdering of police officers. The Black Hammer Party out of Atlanta, Georgia. The Uhuru Movement out of Tampa, Florida. And a couple others that have not yet been named. I don't doubt there were some right-wing fringe groups 
and environmental groups as well that we're going to find out were funded. But the fact that the media won't really talk about these groups is like a shooting in Chicago. The news is dependent on the skin color of the group, clearly. The media won't talk about it. One of the big biases in the media is the stuff they don't cover. And it's very clear that there is a racial overtone to the stuff the media will or will not cover too. Now, we'll see. But yeah, I, I do think there are some reporters. Now, I want to I want to pivot here um, to a couple other things. Ah, uh, we're gonna have to put off we're gonna have to put off Trump here in a minute because uh, there's some amazing audio you need to hear um, from Sam Harris, the atheist. But I gotta read you this story. This will make you laugh. It's, this is from Axios, a website uh, now bought by Cox Enterprises here in Atlanta. Uh, Axios has gone rapidly to the left. It's been very disappointed. I was intrigued with the concept when they started out, but they have clearly gone to the left. Uh, They were the first news organization that embraced changing the phrase pregnant women to pregnant people, which tells you every single thing you need to know about the organization. And now today they're running a story that climate change is a hidden cause of inflation. It's threatening to push up already high prices of everything from food and clothing to electronics. Climate change is the cause of all our problems. Chip and solar panel factories in one of China's key manufacturing regions just shut down due to a 60-year record heat wave. Dairy and meat prices in Europe are rising because of drought. Wheat fields in the U.S. Midwest have been withering due to drought. Tomato products are in decline because of drought in California. It's all climate change. It's all climate change's fault. It's extreme weather. And hey, it turns out the Democrats were telling the truth, the Reduce Inflation Act, because it's a climate bill and it's going to benefit climate. It's going to benefit inflation because it's going to solve the world's problems. You know, by the way, most scientists out there say this isn't actually going to fix even climate. Sure, there are some propagandists out there who say it will, but by and large, nobody's even saying that anymore. Nobody's even saying. And by the way, I got to play this audio from Brian Deese. He's the White House economic advisor. Listen to this. On the point that you made about the timing of when people will start to see relief, you know, some of the provisions of the Inflation Reduction Act are going to help really immediately. Uh Uh, The provisions that give consumers tax rebates uh, or tax credits for uh, going out and buying more energy-efficient heaters, more energy-efficient appliances. Those are enacted immediately. I, I just, I want to stop. I, I really think what the Republicans need to do is they need an ad. They need a Jennifer Granholm impersonator, and they need to dress her up as Marie Antoinette and say, oh, you pores, go buy an electric vehicle. Stop complaining about the cost of things. If you pores go buy electric vehicles, you'll save money on your gas bills. I mean, that's essentially the message from this White House. Hey, you poor people, if you'll go out and buy new things, we'll give you tax credits. And those tax credits on the taxes that you don't pay anyway, that'll help you save money in the long run. You poors and all your complaining will be grateful for us. We're going to let you buy new energy-efficient appliances with the money you don't have. It's the most obnoxious, obnoxious thing to me. I I mean, really, this is, listen, Jennifer Granholm 
every time Secretary of Energy Jennifer Granholm goes on television, she tells people essentially, you poors, just go buy a Tesla and you'll save money on gas. I'm driving on sunshine. And you got Pete Buttigieg doing the same thing. Oh, well, the Inflation Reduction Act uh, reduces costs for the American consumers when they go out and they buy new things they can't afford to buy with tax credits for taxes they don't pay. And now you have Brian Deese, the White House economic advisor, others. Oh, well, we're going to save the poor some money when they go take the money they don't have and buy energy efficient appliances and heaters and air conditioners and battery powered cars. And they'll save money in the long run. We'll give them the tax credits, even though they don't pay taxes because of their income level. We'll give them a tax credit later, some point next year with money they don't have. How the world do these people in the White House think that you can go buy a new electric car or even a new heater or air conditioner when you don't have money for groceries? That's the way they want to save you money. Someone needs to turn that into an ad campaign. Have them dressed up as Marie Antoinette and say, you poors. Let them have battery-powered vehicles. That'll save them money when they don't have to buy gas anymore. It's absolutely tone deaf and obnoxious. And that's the messaging out of the White House right now. It's also going to cause economic problems. It really is going to cause economic problems uh, with all this stuff because it's not going to work. It's going to make matters worse when they start pouring money back into the economy. That's why you need to consider gold and silver as a way to balance out the ebbs and flows of the stock market. And you can with my friends at GoldCo. If you have $50,000 or more in your IRA, your 401k or other retirements, your money could be at risk. You might want to consider physical gold and silver. Not, not certificates or ETFs about gold and silver, but actual real gold and silver. Call 855-904-5933, and uh, you can get a free wealth protection kit to learn how to use gold and silver to protect and grow your money. Thousands of retirees are protecting their retirement savings. Many are getting $10,000 or more in free silver for doing it. Call my friends at Goldco. Find out how you qualify for their offer. They've helped thousands of Americans protect their retirement against inflation and stock market crashes. They can help you too. 855-904-5933 or text ERIC, E-R-I-C-K. Text that to 33777 and I'll send you back their number. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425 if you want to be on the program. Um... I so I'm, I, let me talk about this story because I, I got to play this. Please, 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 please. I beg of you, come back, come back at the beginning of the next hour because you have to hear this audio from Sam Harris. Sam Harris is the leading what do they call him? Four Horsemen of Atheism or something? It was him and Chris Hutchins, Chris Hitchens, and and a couple others. Sam Harris is one of the most notable progressive atheist in America. He's an intellectual scholar on the left. He's gotten attention for criticizing vaccines, uh, but he says publicly what a lot of these people on the left say privately, that essentially making up a conspiracy to deny Donald Trump the presidency is necessary to save democracy. I've got the audio. I want you to listen to it. So I'm going to pivot on on stuff and I'm going to shake this up and I'm going to do this right now because I'm interested in this as well. For the first time, we've reached a historic milestone for the first time in this country, streaming Trump's cable. Uh, I'm actually very interested in this story. 
for the very first time in this country, more people in the last year watched, consumed video television content by streaming than by cable, which is a big milestone. TV consumption uh, is 34.8% for streaming, 34.4% for cable, 21.6% broadcast, 9.2% other. Uh, Now, why does this matter? Because more and more people are moving away from uh, regular sustained video content, uh, and they're looking at streaming as a way to do it. You know, it, it, it's it's one of those things where it, there are way more options now for streaming content than there used to be in the past. Some people are not doing very successful with it, um, but like Peacock is not doing very well with it. But there are so many more options now, and, and broadband speeds are getting so fast, it's shaking things up. Um It's a fascinating dynamic. You know, radio, of course, has had this problem over a while. Uh, People are listening to streaming now. I mean, I know what my streaming audience is, um, and it's it's continuing to grow. Podcasting is continuing to grow. It is everywhere. Um, People are consuming the same media. They're just consuming it in different ways that are more convenient to them.